the crew all season long on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee at the Avenue. Here is your host, Dominic Catronio. Oh, we're out here at Guaranteed Rate Field getting ready to say goodbye to the south side for the season. The Brewers sweep the White Sox a 7-3 final today. They got the kids running the bases. Southpaw is out there having some fun with them, too, despite the Brewers coming in here and taking all three games for the weekend. It's the first time the Brewers sweep the White Sox in a game in a series of at least three games since 1986. It has been a minute for the crew to get it done against the White Sox, of course, the former American League rivals. Uh, back in 1986, it was the opening week of the season. Uh, I was looking at the attendances here at Old Comiskey Park. It was uh, 41,000 on opening night and then uh, 9,000 the next two nights. So it sounds like it was some pretty bad weather those two days here on the south side. Craig Gishon's going to join us in just a little bit once his television duties are over to break this one down with us as well. Uh, this, this game starts and ends with Freddie Peralta because Freddie continues to turn a corner. And let me just read you his second half stats right now. Freddie is now 4-1. In the second half, that one was the six runs he allowed against the Braves back on the uh, 21st of July. So, even with that six-run outing against the Braves, he is 4-1 and one with a 2.50 ERA. He has thrown 36 innings, 50 strikeouts, only 10 walks, and opponents are only hitting 175 off them. In fact... He has had now three starts in the second half of six shutout innings. The other ones are seven innings with one run, another quality start with six innings and three runs, and then also the six runs against the Braves. He is turning a corner, and I remind you, there is not a single team in baseball that wants to see the big three in form in a rotation. All in order like that. MLB Network was just talking about it the other day. The top five pitching staffs you don't want to face in a wild card series. Mark DeRosa had it. Brewers, number one. And Corbin even had an off start on Friday, but he's been great in the second half. Brennan Woodruff is back and healthy. Freddie Peralta looks like he's turning a corner. Wade Miley's healthy and pitching well. Adrian Hauser, most teams would love to have him as their three or four. He's the Brewers' fifth starter. And you get to move somebody to the bullpen. You'll have length available. You have leverage guys available back there when you include the fact that the Brewers win this game without needing Williams, without needing Piams, without needing Pagaro. They used Uribe in the seventh inning, which the game was tight at the time. Then they blew it open with the three-run homer from Carlos Santana and then added on with a two-run single from Yelich. So you could really turn down the... Uh, the aggressiveness on the bullpen and give them a breather, a double off day, if you will, with the off day coming tomorrow. But this win leads to the next day. You prove to yourself, okay, the sweep is possible. It's the third time they've got a road sweep this season. The first, the Mariners back in April. The second, the Reds back in July. And now they've got one here in August. Remember, May was awful. May was a bad month. That's in the past. Everything's in the forward now. The Brewers did what they were supposed to do against the White Sox. And this concludes 
that 13-game stretch that I was talking about where the Brewers are facing weaker opponents compared to what they're facing with the Braves and the Reds seeming back-to-back weeks. But over this stretch, I would easily say the Brewers didn't play their best baseball, yet they gained ground on the rest of the division. For the first time, no matter what happens with the Reds and the Pirates' second game of the doubleheader, for the first time all year long, the division leader of the Central is now at least three games up heading into the next day of games. Think about that. It has been tight all season long. Three games. And now if the Reds lose that game here later today, they will be falling down to four games back, and the Cubs will remain three and a half games back. But if the uh, the Reds do win, they will move to three games back here uh, with the uh, the rest of the season to go. Again, no more head-to-head with them. And the Brewers still have six more with the Cubs. We're going to repeat that over and over again. You'll see them next at the end of the month and at the end of another really tough stretch of baseball here coming up. So we finish this 13-game stretch against teams that you can maybe, per se, play well against, and they played okay against them. And then you get another set of playoff teams coming. I made a dumb prediction, or request, I should say, that the Brewers could go 10-3, and winning every single series, but realistically I thought they were probably going to go 9-4 and over those 13 games. Well, they lost the series to the Nationals, so they're 1-2. and They split the series with the Pirates, so they're 3-4. and They win the series against the Rockies, so they're 5-5, five and five, and they sweep the White Sox, so they're 8-5 and five over those 13 games. I said realistically they would be 9-4. and four. Maybe, you know, you look at it, you look at the extra inning loss against the Nash, or the uh, the uh, Rockies. You look at the error loss against the uh, Nationals with a pair of errors from Candelario and Santana. And then the Brewers also had a tough game against the Nationals in the first game of that series. It was in their grasp, but they did not quite get the job done against teams they were supposed to be. But hey, again... They gained ground at the end of the day. So you really can't be picking nits. Now, the Dodgers and the Rangers are not the White Sox. You won't be able to get away with like some of the stuff you got away with in this series. But I'm really intrigued to see if the Brewers can stack up well against those guys. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. If you want to join us here on the program this afternoon. We'll be going till close to 520 or so here once Craig Kishan joins us. And a reminder, tomorrow is an off day, so no Brewers baseball with you tomorrow. And also a reminder, if you're listening live or if you're in the podcast form, you already know this, with it being a West Coast stretch of games this week, nine, you know, 9 o'clock first pitches every game, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, don't worry, post game is still available in your podcast feed Brewers All Access. No matter where you get your podcast, just search Brewers All Access, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Music, Stitcher, whatever you use. Brewers All Access. You'll get every post-game show from this West Coast trip, the last West Coast trip of the season for Milwaukee. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And the, the matchups, we don't know the Brewers per se yet. Maybe they're going to flip Wade Miley and Adrian Hauser, given that off day gives you those guys, gives Miley on his regular rest. Uh, or give him an extra day and have Hauser go a day or sooner, and then you'll get Burns on Thursday most likely to finish up that series. But it will be uh, – you'll see a couple of really good arms. You're going to see 
Clayton Kershaw on Wednesday in Game 2 of that series. You'll see Lance Lynn on Thursday in Game 3, and you'll see Bobby Miller on Tuesday in Game 1 of that series. So that's all still to be determined. The Brewers win 7-3. We'll break this game down a little bit more specifically coming up when Craig joins us. want to remind you, though, first that Brewers Extra Innings all season long is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank. With a local Milwaukee team, Fifth Third Bank also knows how to hit it out of the park. They've been serving businesses in the area for nearly 15 years, offering industry-specific expertise and local decision-making capabilities that's going to help your business succeed. This is commercial banking value that only Fifth Third can deliver. Fifth Third Bank. National Association, member FDIC. More to come after our break. Stay with us. Brewers, get the sweep. Your text, your calls, 855-616-1620. After this on WTMJ. Welcome back to Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers win in Chicago. A three-game sweep. Looked like light work today. Freddie Peralta was awesome. Six innings. He allowed a few singles, but only one batter reached second base in this game. He was fantastic once again, earning the victory number nine on the year for him. Six innings, four hits, no runs, three walks, six strikeouts. He needed 103 pitches and 65 strikes. Then the bullpen of Abner Uribe and Andrew Chafin got the job done in the 7th and 8th inning. Mejia had a tough ninth. He was one strike away multiple times. They were one strike away from the 13th shutout of the year, but the world will never know as they'll have to wait for the next time. This is normally the time we do the player of the game poll, but this is a pretty easy player of the game. It's got to be Freddie Peralta in my eyes, and it's all brought to you by the Salvation Army. Every day, the Salvation Army provides shelter, meals, and support to those in need, and your donations make a difference. Visit samilwaukee.org to help today. You know, you could go with Carlos Santana getting his third home run as a Brewer, going one for five. Mark Canna reached base twice today, going two for three, hit the ball hard all three times at the plate. Also had the sack fly. I should also add in so four times at the plate for him. Uh, the Brewers didn't have any multiple hits other than Canna today. The homer from Santana blew things open and let everybody relax. And kind of similar to Friday, the runs don't tell the whole story because they only had two extra base hits, but they had enough offense to get the job done. They only had seven hits, but they also drew five walks. That's how things work these days. Two hours and 41 minutes to get it done for the crew, but it has to be. Freddie Peralta, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. This one from Aaron in Illinois. Freddie, definitely the player of the game. The crew wins six of the last seven games that Freddie has started. He was ahead in a lot of his counts today. Big reason for his success. Defense was great as well. Who do you think will start Tuesday? Isn't it Wade's turn in the rotation? That's what we were talking about just before the break. Could they move Wade back a day? Bring in Adrian Hauser? Remains to be seen, but it's going to be some combination of Hauser, Miley, and Burns. We know the Brewers know it. We tried to get it out of Craig Council today. He decided to hold Pat, make sure. That's pretty standard for the Brewers. Just making sure that everything's in a row and they got everyone lined up like they want to. And with the off day tomorrow, it's not that big of a deal. So it's either Hauser or Miley tomorrow, and then the other one on Wednesday, and then Burns on Thursday is what I would expect to see from the Brewers in Los Angeles. Craig Kishan's going to join us in just a little bit here on WTMJ once his television stuff is done. Uh, getting some word from the clubhouse as well. Carlos Santana 
is through Todd Rosiak. Thought the flyout he added to center field in the fourth inning was gone. And then the homer he hit to right center in the eighth would be caught. It's good. I'm happy for that. I needed that little break. I, honestly, I was shocked that the second one got out, and I was shocked the first one didn't. I mean, the sound was louder on the first one, but he just caught the right spot of the jet stream on the second one to get it out of the yard for a three-run shot to give the Brewers the breather. Uh, and then the Brewers, it, it was another day with runners in scoring position where it wasn't pretty to the eye test, but then you sit down and you look, wait, they went three for nine. You know, and they, they could have had more, no doubt. But that's still 333 average. And you add one more hit, and maybe it's nine to three. Okay, cool. They did their job today. You know, not everybody's the Braves, all right? You're not going to score 20 runs every night. But I thought the Brewers did enough with runners in scoring position to continue to put themselves in those scenarios. Sal Freelich taking an extra base in that second inning to set up the sack fly for Canna, I thought was massive. Uh, I also really enjoyed the fact that the Brewers put a lot of bats to ball today. Dylan Cease was on, and he got seven strikeouts, but the rest of the bullpen, and it was the B bullpen to say the least, Bummer, Honeywell, and Cronin did not record a strikeout against the crew. Craig Kishan joins us now here on WTMJ. Craig, uh, I, I can't think of a word, but three road sweeps this season, and... One against the Mariners, who are on the cusp of the playoffs. One against the Reds, who have been really darn good this season. And one now against these White Sox, a team that, you know, maybe some would say you're supposed to beat. But, hey, road sweeps are hard to do. And uh, it's the first time the Brewers have swept the White Sox since 1986. I I just walk away from this validated. I think the Brewers prove that, okay, they do have it in them, and they can get ready for the Dodgers this week. Well, we could call them roadies. I mean, that would be fine. <laughs> and if Rowdy is here, we could call them Rowdy's roadies or something like that. But, um, I mean, this has been a really good road team this season. They they played really well on the road, obviously, earlier. And then I, and I think once they kind of lost their mojo a little bit and did that win-loss, win-loss thing and had that tough month in, uh, in June, they kind of settled back a little bit. But... Uh, you know, each time they're out there, it, it just becomes more exciting, I think, because the further we go into the month of August, the more you just can't help but but looking at some, you know, great things down the road and how important it is to even game a, gain a three-and-a-half game lead right now in the division. And as you've been pointing out, you know, time and time again, the division leader hasn't had a big lead in in the national league central as big as the one that is happening right now so um there there are a lot of obviously good things happening here um i think the other thing dom is we've got guys like santana and canna uh that i think are hitting a comfort zone with their new team and and both their bats were big in today's win the newcomers it's a move for the Brewers, and I understand in the moment people were confused, and you look at the slash line, and you're thinking, man, this isn't the, the top-end guy I wanted. I wanted Jamer Candelario. I don't care about that because these guys are here for versatility, to ease the load, and it's better than nothing, right? This team is so reliant on rookies, and now you're bringing in two offensive pieces specifically in Canna 
and Santana that have done it in the postseason, right? Yelich has played in a handful of postseasons. Canna has played in a couple of postseasons. Santana has played in Game 7 of a World Series. Contreras played in the postseason run in 21 and 22 with the Braves. But aside from that, there's really not a lot of postseason experience on the position player front for the Brewers. And I think it's really important to have that presence from the offensive side when the lights get brightest and this offense has been quiet. But they're comfortable in this late-arriving, low-scoring affair because that's what the postseason's going to be like. Right, and these games have been postseason-like throughout much of the season for Milwaukee, and that's only helped out these young guys. I mean, it's kind of stunning to me how every single game these young rookies, somebody out of that group of young rookies – has a, a really nice game in meaningful moments like Monasterio uh, putting the Brewers up, what was that, 2 nothing or was it one nothing early? It was 2 nothing in two the nothing. fifth inning with that RBI double. And they keep pitching to him, and, and he rips, he's ripped uh, hit after hit, double after double down the left field line. And a lot of them have, have delivered runs or set up scoring for Milwaukee. Uh, we, we saw Terang go through, through, uh, you know, some good offense here lately after being really quiet for a long stretch. Uh, we know what Freelich's been able to do now, and the good thing is Joey Weimer doesn't necessarily have to play every single day because his batting average has been it's been low. His defense has been great, but if they can get a hotter bat in there, all the better. So there's a lot of guys that, you're, you're right, don't have any playoff experience. They are really young. But here's the thing. They're playing playoff-like games right now, these low-scoring games, these 24 one-run victories the Brewers have. And it it certainly only helps these guys stay patient, stay calm, and and play their game the way they play it and and hopefully come through in key moments. I don't know how long it's going to last for Monasterio, but don't wake me up because... He's got a, a Babbitt batting average on balls in play of 353. Let me just read you a few names in the National League that that rate is better than since his big league debut. By the way, he is tied with Ronald Acuna Jr. on Babbitt. Now, Acuna obviously does more damage with his balls in play, but that gives you an idea of the amount of contact that Andrew Monasterio has been making since he made it to the show. And let me just name a few really good hitters over this time that. Monasterio has a better BABIP than them. Uh, Lars Nootbar, Nick Castellanos, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Fernando Tatis Jr., Seiya Suzuki, Cattell Marte, Brian Reynolds. Do you get what I'm getting at here? He's a dude that makes contact, and he does. he'll strike out less than league average. He doesn't walk a lot, but he knows his strike zone, and he knows it really darn well. I'm more impressed when he has a game like today where he goes two for four, where a game like yesterday, two for four, a couple of hits, no walks, no strikeouts, bat on ball, good things happen. Well, he certainly does not hurt you, that that's for sure. And, you know, you get those key moments like like he can continue to deliver and, and uh, you know, it's just kind of stunning when you look at the whole picture with all the years he's been toiling in the minor leagues, you know, with some with some different teams and whatnot, Dom. And the fact that the, he's he finally has a chance here right now. He's been playing pro ball for a long time, so he's not 
like a teenager trying to come into this league or a guy fresh out of college. Um, he's, he's probably had more moments that we don't know about. And, and I think we're starting to see a guy that's, that's just ready to produce, ready to play and says, you know what, I, I can handle these key moments. And I mean, that, that's great. You, you love stories like that. And obviously we all hope it continues for him. It's a fun story, in my opinion. The Brewers' offense has had a new contributor, it seems like, every other night. Monasterio, Santana have been uh, a good one today. Canna had a good day today as well. But we have ignored Freddy Peralta for far too long. We're to break down his start and what it means for the starters coming up next. We'll also have our difference-making moment in there as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Stay with us, Brewers Extra Innings. You're listening to Brewers Extra Innings, presented by Fifth Third Bank on WTMJ. Breaking things down with Craig Kishan here on Brewers Extra Innings. We'll be with you till just about 5.20 tonight. I'm Dom Catronio getting ready for the West Coast trip. Craig, Freddie Peralta, uh, I read the numbers right when we came back onto the air for his second half. 36 innings. 50 strikeouts, a whip of 0.89, opponent batting average of 175, all absolutely elite. And that even includes one bad start with two homers and six runs allowed against the Atlanta Braves back on July 21st. Even with that blip on the radar, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball in the second half. And it's starting to look like 2021 Freddie Peralta again. And I think that's a... A certainly a compliment and a shot across the boat to the rest of the National League. I love when guys um, struggle but bounce back. I don't love it when they struggle, but I love I love the storylines that we're obviously seeing with Freddie Peralta here right now. Um, and I'm not saying he struggled so much, but I mean his ERA was well over four, and he did give up those six runs to the to the Braves, but. Really what he's done over the course of what the last month, six starts that you're talking about here, is a guy that never lost confidence, which is good. And he made that perfectly clear to everybody that, you know, one or two pitches here and there, if he could have them back, uh, would make him look even stronger, maybe all-star-like. But what he's put together here lately has been obviously huge for this team. The fact that he's in that bond right now with Burns and, and Woodruff, um, you, you feel really good about this threesome going out here, that's for sure. Uh, but everything working for Freddie. Um, you know, the slider was working pretty well today as well. He's able to mix in just about any pitch that he wants to and make it effective. And, and I think we saw and continue to see that uh, this afternoon in that win. For Freddie, again, an 0-8-9 whip. There are only a handful of pitchers that have thrown a better whip than him here in the second half, and none of them have thrown as many innings as he has thrown. The only one that's even near him would be Steven Matz with a 27.2 rate, uh, 27.2 innings in an 0.83 whip. So, I mean, you can make an argument that Freddie has been the best pitcher in the second half, and if the Brewers are going to get greedy, if the Brewers are going to get things very uh, exciting in September – you think about it, oh, 43 games, there's plenty of time. From a starting pitcher's perspective, there really isn't. It's maybe eight more starts for each starting pitcher. And you think about how quickly that goes by. 
and all of a sudden, boom, you're into the postseason, and the fact that you can call upon really good starts as of late, not just for Freddie, for Woodruff coming back healthy. You would imagine if things go according to plan, he gets stronger with each start. Then with Corbin Burns seemingly finding something there in, in late June to get things going in the right direction for him. And, oh, by the way, Wade Miley would be your Game 1 starter in a division series if needed. It, it certainly spoils that any team would love to have. And I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse here, but the Brewers... We've said it a million times, and people are sick of it, and I'm sick of people being sick of it. The Let's be truthfully honest here, Craig. I don't care what the record is, how you win, what your route is into the postseason, as long as you get into the postseason. No one gave the Phillies a chance last season, and boom, they're in the World Series. Get in, and good things happen. Well, I mean, you you look back at uh, that 2019 season when the Brewers lost that uh, wild card game to the Washington Nationals. I mean, it looked like they were going to win that game. They were up in the in the uh, eighth inning, and all of a sudden the Nationals come back. They go on to win a World Series. So I do agree with you that uh, it doesn't matter what your record is; it's it's where your team is at. I think collectively and how you're playing. And it still all boils down to, you know, it, that certain point of uh, September and October. I mean, I look at this lead like where the Brewers sit here right now, and I'm like, oh, that's all that's all fine and good. And it's, you know, it, it gives you some breathing room, uh, if nothing else, especially when you're on the road here. This is This is a daunting road trip for the Brewers. They've got the Dodgers and the Rangers, two really, really, really good teams. And they got to play him on the road, and they both played really well at home. So um, it, all this does is build a little bit of cushion for you. But you just hope the pitching continues the way it does. And you know, Dom, in the next month or so, the hitting heroes are going to change from what they are now. Um, that That's just inevitable. And so you, you just hope that this mix that they've got going uh, is going to be able to pick each other up. And furthermore, let's, let me go back to 2018 for me here, Craig, because I'm watching from afar. I'm not a Milwaukee resident yet. I see the Brewers win nine of their last ten to force game 163, and they win the division, obviously, over the Cubs. But in my opinion, that is everything that we just talked about personified. Get in and good things happen. You brought up the negativity with 2019. I bring up the positivity of 2018. You win a game 163. You win your way through that way, and you're one game away from the World Series. This stuff happens more often than you think, and the Brewers might finally, finally have the pitching staff that they're hoping for. Now, 43 games to go. They might finally have the pitching staff that they had always hoped for. If you had put this starting pitching staff on that 2018 team, they win the World Series. Okay, now maybe there's an expense somewhere else, but maybe the offense will be the Achilles heel of this team. Who knows? It's probably going to be, if we're being honest. But, again, get in. Get in. And now you're three, at least three games up, maybe three and a half by the end of the day. Uh, I'm just enjoying this. It's not over yet, but it's it's a good validating feeling, like I said earlier in the show. Yeah, and I think, you know, another point that you brought up earlier, too, were, were some of the position players and hitters that do have, you know, some quality playoff experience. But let's not forget about this pitching staff, too, uh, especially the three guys were 
we're really highlighting right now in, in Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. They've been through the ringer uh, during these stretches that we're talking about, and and each year and each opportunity they've had, obviously they've they're only going to be better because of it. And they're in situations here right now, like I've been saying, a lot of these regular season games are playoff like. They're they they keep fans on the edge of their seat, but you can't tell me that they don't keep the players on edge as well. And when you win games, you're you're only bringing out your best and and that's what i'm seeing with this club here right now when they're winning these close games or uh, games aren't decided until late innings um, these guys are only going to be better uh, from here forward and i I love what the pitching staff's been able to do i mean top to bottom i mean dom alone if you just if you just okay go beyond the the starters here right now uh, Vinny and I were talking about this uh, right before the postgame show started on the TV side. Uh, who is going to come in in these close games? I mean, it's it's a it's a two nothing Brewer lead going to the top of the eighth inning before Santana hits his three run home run. But think about this: what we've seen over the last two or three games, or in the uh, your seventh, eighth, or ninth inning guy include Piums. Uh, Williams, Reed now, Milner, and Piguero. What other team has that many relievers that they can mix in confidently the way this team does to finish up your final three innings? Not many, if any. Uh, winning teams, that's who. You know, you have to have depth. You right. have to have a multitude of options come the back end of games because, as we all know, the bullpen – is all that really matters in the postseason because your starter can only take you so far and the Brewers have to make the reaction from there. Before we put a bow on this one with you, Craig, I want to get your difference-making moment of the game. It's brought to you by Annex Wealth Management, investment, retirement tax, and estate planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Forget commission, sales pitches, and financial products you don't need. Know the difference. Annex provides elite, comprehensive financial planning customized to who you are and what you need. Go to AnnexWealth.com. It was a 7-3 to three game. It doesn't really tell the whole story, but uh, take the floor, my friend. What was your difference-making moment? Well, it's a 2 nothing game in the bottom of the fifth, you know, with Freddie Peralta out on the mound, and you're thinking, is he done? Uh, is he going to come back out for the sixth? But before all that, uh, he gets the first two outs of that fifth inning and then a single and a walk, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, what's happening here? Uh, Chris Hook comes out, uh, perfect time for a mound visit. And Freddie went right to work, picked up a strikeout on Moncada, and that ended that threat. And to me, it allowed him, I think he was at 92 pitches, it allowed him, in my opinion, to finish strong, get out there in the sixth inning, and have a 1-2-3 sixth inning. It was his only 1-2-3 inning of the game. I love the way he finished. So to me, just that turning point in the fifth, take care of business, go after it. Uh, the mound visit was timely. It l- let him breathe a little bit. And, uh, I mean, just the way these guys are taking care of their own business is, is I just love it. He, he certainly responded very well to that mound visit from Chris Hook. Now, I'm going th- to be uh, – this is probably the earliest I've ever picked my difference-making moment. The very first batter of the game that Freddie Peralta faced, Elvis Andrews. 
an 11-pitch battle. That was a chance to set the tone for the White Sox. And Andrews getting the start, not because of Anderson's suspension, but because they just wanted to give Tim Anderson a day off. So Andrews getting the start. He is a thorn in Freddie's side. He's been a really good series all weekend long. 11 pitches long. I looked it up. He had had three previous at-bats with at least 11 pitches. They had ended double, catcher's interference, and homer. He had not gotten it out. And that's the old cliche, right? The longer the at-bat goes, the more likely the hitter is going to get on base. And Freddie flipped that script on the first batter of the game, set the tone, escaped without any damage there in the first, and then was able to ride the rest of the game. I thought that him getting Andrews eventually on that ground out to short made it clear, okay, my stuff's playing well today. Let's get after these guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. First batter of the game, I, I was worried the, the more <laughs> – the more pitches that were needed and as tough and as that bat that that turned out to be to open things up. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a good call for sure there. Um, I, I think it's hugely important for guys to know what moment of the game that they have to build, you know, a little bit more confidence and, and say, I've got this the rest of the way and to do it right out of the gates is, is good. Cause look, these guys aren't pitching with leads. Sometimes um, they're pitching with, uh, small deficits, but um, just to be able to do things like that are, are huge for this team. It's the little things that all add up at the end of the day. And Craig Kishon, you bring pre- plenty of the little things for us and the big things for us right here on WTMJ. Thanks, as always, for your time and your insight, my friend. And uh, enjoy getting some sleep. I know you got the Dodgers series up, but we'll holler at you next weekend. Sounds good. The old man's going to be snoring. I love it. Sounds good. Craig Kishon here on WTMJ. Uh, We'll get some more with Who's Hot. We'll also hear from Craig Council and get to some highlights a little bit later. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings. From down on the south side, the Brewers won't come to Chicago again until the end of the month, but on the north side in Wrigley Field when the Brewers will take on the Cubs. Quick reminder of what the standings look like. This will be our Who's Hot segment brought to you by Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Trust in your family's comfort at home all year long with Cider, and it's their end-of-summer sales event. Save up to $2,000 on qualifying Daikin Furnace or AC units through the end of the month. Schedule your appointment today and view all other promotions at Cider, S-E-I-D-E-R.com, Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Families helping families since 1912. Let's take a peek at the standings, shall we? Braves still in first in the National League, the number one seed at 75 and 41. They will be on Sunday night baseball tonight against the New York Mets. Eat your heart out. The, uh, the worldwide leader getting the, the torn down Mets, 13 games under 500 after the Braves hung 21 runs on them yesterday. But hey, what do I know? The second seed currently belongs to the Dodgers, the next opponent for the Brewers. They have also, by the way, won seven in a row. They're leading their eighth in a row. It's 5-3 Dodgers in the bottom of the sixth inning hosting the Rockies right now. Then currently the three seed is tied between the Phillies and the Brewers. Of course, the Brewers would naturally get it by being a division winner, but they both have a 65-54 and record. The Phillies were blanked by the Twins today 3 to nothing. Then you've got the Giants at 62 and 55. They're clinging on to a one nothing lead heading to the top of the ninth against the Texas Rangers back at uh, Oracle Park 
It was uh, Bruce Bochy's return for the first time as an opposing manager to the site where he won three world titles in five years. As Logan Webb is going to go for the complete game shutout in that one. Eight innings, five hits, one run, or excuse me, one walk, no runs, six strikeouts. He will enter the ninth inning with 96 pitches and 69 strikes. So get your popcorn ready there. Webb going for a complete game shutout against the Rangers. And that certainly impacts the wild card race here in the National League. As things stand right now, let's go ahead and call that game. If it changes, we'll let you know. If the Giants win that game, they will remain in the second seed for the wild card, but they will gain on the Phillies. They will move to uh, two and a half back of the Phillies. I should say one and a half back of the Phillies for the top spot. They'll be 63 and 55. Currently, Miami, they defeated the Yankees today. They are in the third spot of the NL wildcard picture with an 8-7 to victory over New York. And now at all eyes will be on the Reds and the Pirates. They are just getting started for Game 2 of their doubleheader. Looks like they might have had another bit of weather in that one, but they're just getting going for Game 2 as the first one went to the Pirates thanks to Jared Triolo hitting a three-run home run in the bottom of the seventh inning. So as things stand, if the uh, Reds don't manage to win that second game of the doubleheader, they will be in the outside looking in and still behind the Cubs. They would fall to a game and a half back of a playoff spot at 61 and 59. The Cubs are 61 and 57, a half game back of those Miami Marlins. So things are getting spicy here in the National League. The Brewers have 43 games to go. They have the tiebreaker on the Reds, tiebreaker to be decided on the Cubs in the final six games of the head-to-head season series. Whew! Man, we're going to do a lot of scoreboard watching down the stretch, aren't we? All right, we're going to listen to Craig Council coming up next. Stay with us. Brewers Extra Innings continues after this. Now, more Brewers Extra Innings presented by Fifth Third Bank on WTMJ. Welcome back. Brewers finished the sweep. Take all three from the White Sox. 7-3 the final today. We're with you for another 15 minutes or so here on WTMJ. We'll get to Craig Council's comments in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that for every double play the Brewers turn this season, Hupe and Abraham will donate $100 to Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. And remember, if you are injured or you're in an accident, call Hupe and Abraham. Winner, it's free. Guaranteed the winning team, Hupe and Abraham, H-U-P-Y. Dot com. Craig Council in a good mood. Just swept off the uh, White Sox. They've won back-to-back series, getting things in the right direction before heading out west of the Dodgers. Here's Craig Council after the game today. Yeah, a great start. I thought um, just kind of got better as the game got on, going, and um, you know the, the breaking ball really just slowed him down, and then his fastball at the top got a lot of kind of weak contact, really pop-ups and things like that. So. Um, he pitched a nice game, a uh, really good game, put zeros up, and um, we got him a lead and fortunately expanded it late. I mean, offensively, I feel like that's the game you've been waiting for, especially considering how the last couple games have gone, adding on late with Carlos. And- yeah, we got a big hit. Carlos, a big hit. I, I think that's his first homer Bummer's given up this year, so uh, that, that was a huge hit. Um, and then added more late, so good tack on runs late to, to make it comfortable. 
Good to see that from him overall today. I mean, he had the one that gave him a good ride as well and then actually got one out. But. Yeah, just in that situation, we're just, you know, looking to add on and, like, against the guy like Bummer, you're not really thinking home run, but um, he had a pretty tough pitch, it looked like to me, and, and hit it long ways and really well. A bunch of like Abner, different, little different role, and you've talked about that. You're going to get him in different spots. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it was just a function of kind of we had a couple guys that we were going to avoid today, um, and that where they were at in their lineup, it was the right three righties coming up, so that was his inning. For you, like, that's just that early on when he goes first and third on the hit to center, that's just kind of an example of that extra dynamic he can bring to you guys. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about some, these, you know, a lot of our young players just, they're, they're good defenders. They got, they have speed and they can be great base runners and, and trying to really focus when they get on base of like being that great base runner. And, um, I thought we saw a couple examples this series with Bryce not getting doubled off and then, and then Sal taking, going first to third a couple of times, um, that, that make a difference. Um, they, they turn into big plays and then we got a sack fly to take an early Lead. I know you love the fun with numbers stuff. Uh, first three game sweep of the White Sox since '86 for the Brewers. '86. That's a while. That's yeah. uh, kind of hard to believe. I mean, I know you guys haven't been in the same league, but uh, that's... yeah, I don't doesn't feel like we play them that much. Yeah. Oh, just a sweep to start a tough road trip. Yeah, I mean, we we got. Look, we got two of the best teams in baseball on tap here, so um, we got our work cut out for us with two very tough road series. So a good way to start it out for sure. I mean, remember the first series against the Dodgers back at American Family Field? Those were a couple of good games. The Brewers lost that series, and things kind of fell apart on Wade Miley in the finale of that series. But the Brewers, they, they were toe-for-toe with them. I, I think, I mean, shoot, at that time we thought James Altman was going to be the rookie of the year. Now it's clearly going to be Corbin Carroll. But the Brewers are in there. Now they're facing their best. I'll give them that. Bobby Miller, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and Lance Lynn are all due up to face the Brewers, so it's going to be tough sledding. But their bullpen is a little spotty here and there, and the lineup speaks for itself. Freddie Freeman is having an incredible season that nobody's paying attention to. Mookie Betts quietly, I think he has 32 bombs now. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And who knows what the National League picture is going to look like, who wins the pennant. But you know you're going to have to go through L.A. or Atlanta to get the job done. And maybe, just maybe, good pitching will get it done. We'll relive this game coming up next with some highlights right here on WTMJ. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get out of Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. Brewers looking for a sweep against the White Sox. They'll be going up against... One of their Cy Young candidates a year ago, Dylan Cease. Freddie Peralta getting the ball for the crew. A 1-2-3 start for the Brewers offense. And Freddie Peralta kept a zero on the board in the bottom of the first. Then the offense got going quickly for the Brewers today. A leadoff single by Sal Freelich. He went first to third on a Willie Adama single for Mark Canna coming to the plate. Canna into right. Moving over his sheets, nearing the line. He makes a diving catch. Tagging and scoring from third is Sal Freilich, and the Brewers will take a 1-0 lead. Jeff Levering's call. However, that would be the only run the Brewers would score in the second inning. Meanwhile, Freddie Peralta would be rolling. More on him in a moment. We fast forward to the fifth inning. The Brewers trying to get to Cease again. A leadoff walk to Willie Adamas. A single from Mark Canna. Put runners on first and second for the guy we highlighted in today's pregame show, Andrew Monasterio. 
On a stereo line to him down the left field line, a fair ball. Adamas comes around to score. Canna will be held at third as Monasterio digs into second with an RBI double. That made it 2 nothing, crew, and they weren't done. Uh, that would be, uh, I should say, that would be all the runs they get in that frame to make it 2 nothing, Brewers. However, Freddie, in the bottom of the fifth inning, finally faced a little bit of trouble. First, he got Remillar to strike out looking on a slider. And then he got Andrews on a slider as well. But then a single by Benintendi, a walk by Eloy Jimenez, brought Yoan Moncada to the plate after a home run last night. The stretch by Peralta. Here it comes. He struck him out. He dropped a breaking ball on Moncada, and he chased it. That ends the inning. Three strikeouts in the frame for Freddie Peralta. The Sox strand two. So he would go six shutout innings for the third time in the second half out of his six starts. Freddie has been really on one here so far after the All-Star break. But the Brewers' offense wasn't doing anything against Dylan Cease. He finished seven innings today, keeping the White Sox in this game. Then in the top of the eighth inning, finally into the bullpen for the White Sox. It was Aaron Bummer on the mound, the lefty, facing Christian Yelich. Well, he walked him. Then he faced William Contreras. Well, he walked him. So now, batting from the right side for the first time today, Carlos Santana had a chance. Bummer at the belt, coming back again. Fly ball, center field, that is well struck. Colas back at the warning track and gone! The three-run homer for Santana. His first from the right side of the plate, some insurance for the crew in the eighth inning. Only his third homer of the year from the right side, 15th overall. 5 nothing insurance, but hey, what the heck, why not? Add some more with Christian Yelich. Bases loaded, Yelich waits. Line drive, base hit left center. One run is in, two runs are in. Beefing up the scoreboard, 7 nothing Milwaukee. For Christian, his first hit of the ball game on base for a third time. And, and Lane Grindle was here. It was just the Jeff Levering show when it came to highlights. The Brewers would win 7-3 to today. They sweep the White Sox and have a happy flight and happy off day tomorrow off to Los Angeles. We'll give you the broadcast schedule coming up next and wrap up the program on WTMJ. Welcome back to Brewers Extra Innings. All right, a couple minutes left here as we say so long. Off day tomorrow, no Brewers baseball. Sit back, relax, and... Uh, Hang out on a Monday. Then the Brewers take on the Dodgers Tuesday through Thursday. Some late night baseball. We'll be on the air at 8.35 for the On Deck Show. And then a 9-10 first pitch for uh, all of those games. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. 9-10 Central Time against the Dodgers. And then on Friday, back to the Central Time Zone. Coverage will begin at 6 on Friday against the Texas Rangers for a... 7-10, or 7-5 first pitch down there at the brand new Globe Life Field, only a few years old. Then it'll be a 3-0-5 first pitch on Saturday. Coverage will begin at 2 on that day. And then on Sunday, no warm-up, just the on-deck show at 1 o'clock for a 1-45 first pitch in the afternoon on Sunday. So that's down in Arlington. Then the Brewers will have uh, another off day before returning home to take on the Minnesota Twins. Border battle coming up the next couple of home games, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then another off day on Thursday, and the Padres come to town 
for the weekend. So that should be a lot of fun for the next home scene, but that's looking way too far ahead. The Brewers have got their hands full with the Dodgers and can't wait to react to this one. I'll be off on Tuesday. It'll be Greg Matzik next on your earwaves late night Tuesday night. I am back on Wednesday and Thursday in your podcast feeds or live, whatever you prefer. My thanks to Craig Kishan for joining us on the program once again and to our producer, Evan Wittalison. I'm Dominic Catronio. The Brewers do something they haven't done since 1986. Sweep the White Sox. Have a happy flight. Safe Monday. Until next time, keep on swinging.